Good evening. This is Heartstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy. Clark Grant is in the studio. Today, our guest is Amanda Dukach. She is the CEO and founder of Social Mama. In just a moment, Amanda will be with us and tell us all about what she's doing there. In the meantime, I'll remind you that we are on Facebook, and you can also email us at heartstockradio at gmail.com. We're always looking for interesting and fascinating guests doing amazing thing in the world of business. This is Heartstock. In just a moment, Amanda will be with us. Thanks for listening. As I went walking that ribbon of highway, I saw Good evening. This is Heartstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy. We are here with Amanda Dukach of Social Mama. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Carol. How are you? We are doing great. It's a little smoky. How is it there in your world? Where where exactly are you located, Amanda? So I'm located in Houston, Texas. Um, so we are not feeling any elements of the smoke. Um, we've been told that it is in the air and that it's impacting, um, you know, just some people's daily lives, especially those with compromised um, lungs, so people that have asthma and things like that. But we're not seeing it. But definitely our, our hearts and our minds are with um, everyone really being impacted by these, these wildfires all over the country. Yeah, it's, it's a little crazy. I'm I'm sitting here in Montana, and um, I was in California where there were some really, really major fires and impacts going on. So it's heart-wrenching, and I agree. We stand in very soul-felt support of all those that <laughs> are being very, very heavily impacted. So for our listeners, Amanda, please... Explain what what is Social Mama and and what do you do there? So Social Mama is an app and you can find it on the App Store or Google Play. And it is an app that allows women to find the mom friends that they need and the experts they can trust. So it is an ecosystem of mothers and experts that support each other during the entire journey of motherhood from the first thought of conception to kids going off to college and beyond. We, we even have a lot of grandmothers that are on our app chatting and connecting together. Mm. Yes, especially in this day and age, I would imagine that grand, grandparents are a big part of mother's support system. Yes, they, they, they absolutely are. And actually, it's interesting because a lot of the times when uh, the older generation comes onto the app, they'll often ask community like, do I belong here? And, you know, it's so great to see all of the the younger women that are welcoming them and are saying, yes, we need to learn from you. We need to know, you know, how you did it. And so it's really been great. But, but the product is definitely needed in the world because 85% of women feel like society does not properly support them. And 64% of them feel friendless. And when you take a lack of support, and a lack of friendship, it, it creates loneliness. And loneliness is an extreme problem in 2020, really for, for everyone. Statistically, it's been going up. The British government recently appointed a minister of loneliness because it's, it's that bad. But especially we're noticing it amongst um, the aging population and then uh, women who are 
trying to conceive or are newly pregnant or have issues with a child, something like um, autism or a unique need that they're, you know, on a new path. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, like many of our guests, was this something that you encountered and realized was needed based on your own experience or how exactly did you, did you get involved with your startup and uh, come up with the idea? So that is exactly what happened. I have to credit my, my husband, Fish, for the idea. It was 100% his. And one night, um, around 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, we got a phone call from our best friend, Alicia, who was sitting in an emergency room next to her two-year-old child that had just received a new medical diagnosis. And through the next couple of weeks, we really watched her spiral into loneliness. I didn't know at the time it was loneliness. Um, Loneliness was not the problem that we sought to solve. It was the development um, of the the product and the industry. But but basically what happened was after a couple of weeks, it was very obvious to to my husband in particular, who was constantly listening to our conversations together, that Alicia really needed another mother child had walked down that medical diagnosis path and could really show her the light at the end of the tunnel, but also a woman that Licia could connect with for friendship because she really needed friends while she was going down this new path of motherhood. And my husband, who's a a very sought after um, technologist, actually, he was like, no problem. I'm sure that there's a technology tool that exists that shows mothers, other mothers in their area with common interests and children going through the same medical issues. Well, it it didn't exist. And luckily, luckily, Vish has experience in technology. He's experience in machine learning and cloud platforms and a lot of these things that at the time I knew nothing about. I'm certainly um, somewhat of an expert in a lot of these different modalities now. But at the time, he really was just convinced that he could come up with a technical solution that could help women like Alicia. And he sat down at the kitchen table and put together a PowerPoint and presented it to me. It was it was really funny at the time now that I think about this is the way that it happened. And I, I wasn't interested. I just thought, I know nothing about technology. And he was like, you're going to have to run this company. You're the female. You understand it. You're the demographic. And I wasn't interested. But then I started researching. And when I found statistics, like 64% of moms were friendless and the 85% aren't supported and, you know, that two in 10 women often suffer from postpartum depression. And one of their greatest ways of getting out of the cycle is by, is by having support systems. I just couldn't believe how one in six women, when you look at those stats, are really walking around feeling completely lonely. And that at the time, four years ago, when the concept came up, there was zero solution. So that was really it. And then we just decided to build it, truthfully. Mm-hmm. So I'm just wondering, speak, speaking of paths, what has your path been like? What did you do before this? And how has that helped and equipped you for this journey that you're on? Yeah. So to be, to be honest with you, 50% of it has translated beautifully and 50% has not translated at all. So it's definitely been a learning path. And in general, whenever women come to me and when they want to discuss starting a new venture, typically they come because they want to pitch their, their idea. They're normally in the middle of the ideation stage and they want to pitch it and they want feedback on if, if the idea has legs, how do they become you know, a technical founder, those kind of things. And my feedback to them is always that 
the entrepreneurial journey is full of peaks and valleys. And that was the one thing that my background did not teach me was to be prepared for the high highs and the low lows. And that you really just need to have the grit and the hustle to get through the lows, to get back to the peaks. Um, so that was the biggest skill that I didn't have that didn't translate. So before this, I was, my last position was, um, an international director of sales for a luxury hotel in the Marriott portfolio. My career from age, truthfully, I mean, I started, you know, scooping ice cream in restaurants at age 13, all the way through to my late twenties, early thirties was in hospitality, um, in the sales and marketing sector. So that translated very well in essence that I don't think I realized that communication and customer satisfaction are the two pillars that we really use in in hospitality. If you don't have those two things, your hotel's not going to be successful. Regardless if you're a housekeeper, if you're the chef, it doesn't matter. Those are the two pillars in hospitality that really make the world turn. And those two pillars really helped me build an online community with Insight Technology because... I didn't realize at the time that building an online community is no different from building a real community in like the general society that doesn't use the internet. There's moral and value compasses, there's security, there's usability, things have to be customer centric that really when you create an online tool, it uses the same principles. So my background was really able to translate from that side. Now, what really hurt me, if that's the right word, is that I don't have a technical background. Thank goodness I have a husband and a wonderful relationship with him. So I had a partner in crime, if we want to call it, that was really able to handle the technical stuff. I think I wouldn't have survived the path truthfully if it wasn't my husband and I together with our skill set. And then we realized that we really needed somebody that had an incredible design eye because so much about technology and really almost everything in the world is really about design. Does design match functionality? and when I used to open up hotels or when I used to do large events in hotels, I always had designers. It wasn't really something that I ever had to conceptualize on my own. So then we got our third partner, Karishma, who's amazing and has been my right-hand girl for the last two years since we launched the minimal viable product into the market, since we've you know started to scale. So I really think it was the three of us together in our backgrounds that allowed us to get where we were today. And when did you say you launched again, please? So the concept was about four years ago, but in May of 2019 is when we closed our first round of fundraising and then we put our MVP into the market. So that's really when, when our marketing efforts started and when we started to see the downloads and the traction coming in. And you mentioned Insight Technology. Can you explain for us what that is and how you're using it? So, so... I think that a lot of people use the word insight and technology differently. It's certainly a technologist versus the business side of, of a technical company probably interprets it a bit different. But to me, it's, it's understanding what the customer really wants in the product and that you use the data in the app and the data from that individual to drive a personalized experience. And Although this isn't a part of Insight Technology, I think it's very important that companies protect people's data. And we need a change, I think, right now in the industry about what we do with data. So I can't not mention that when we're talking about data because it's something that's very personal to me because I wasn't a technical founder before this. And I didn't realize 
how amazing data can be in the world and how dangerous data can be. So it's very important that we do bring that up whenever we talk about insight technology. But basically we spent, oh gosh, we spent a year, two years, really just meeting with women, meeting with our, our current users and our potential users to really understand what is it in your psychology that creates friendship for you? And then what data can you give us? So information on your personality, information on what you're looking for for a friend. And then how do we take that data that you gifted us with and do we drive a personalized experience through, through really through insight technology? So it's technology that allows you to understand and predict what experience the consumer wants, if that makes sense. Yes, indeed. And share with us just a little bit more, if you could, um, where are you from and where you grew up? I'm always fascinated by this. And do you think that has influenced you as a founder and how you've developed this company? 100%. And I could not agree with you more, Carol. I think that people's experiences and their upbringing and their culture drive who they are. And I think often are a part of their purpose in society. I, I really do believe that people are born to the families typically that they're supposed to be. And I know that there's, you know, some hiccups here and there. But so I'm born in New York City, raised in Boston. I have an American mother and I have an Argentine father. And one of them is Christian and one of them is Jewish. And then I went on to marry a man who grew up his whole life in India, going to a British school and is um, also not very religious, but but did grow up in the Hindu faith. So I think that I think that my husband was supposed to come to me for various yeah, reasons because I do great. believe that this product, yeah, I, I do believe this product, and it, it is already changing a lot of women's lives, but I do believe so wholeheartedly that this product is really going to help millions of women. And I think that we take so seriously that the community is supportive, that there's no mom shaming, that there's no bullying, and that there is ways you can do that with the architecture of your product. And that is something that we spend probably too much time on, but it's because I believe it's so important. But I was really lucky because growing up, my parents were huge travelers. So we would go to visit villages in Africa. We would go to homeless centers, I mean, trips to California to visit homeless centers that were giving good impact. My parents were massive travel um, obsessors. So I think that from a very little age, I grew up having friends and experiences with people from all different walks of life. So I think I really recognized my biases and my privilege very early on in life. And I think that that was what made me really go into hospitality because it was my way at the time of of giving people experiences of the world because that's what hospitality is all about. And I think that my journey in hospitality came through travel. And then at the end, hospitality gave me the skill set to build an online community, a friendship matching tool that wasn't deep seated and biased. And that's what creates meaningful educational relationships. And that's what we're all about. Yeah, this is very exciting. And we are at that halfway point. So we'll take a quick little break here. In just a moment, we will be right back with Amanda of Social Mama. This is Heartstock.
is Artstock Radio, and I'm your host, Carol Murphy. Today, we are speaking with Amanda Dukach of Social Mama. Hi again, Amanda. Hi, how are you again? <laughs> I guess what I'd really like to focus on right now is kind of a little history. You mentioned that you launched and building things out. Where are you at right now? Where are you at with your your enterprise and um, what lays ahead for you? So we're at a really exciting time. Literally today, we are opening up our seed investment round, which is really exciting. So we were able to get some really great pre-seed funds that allowed us to build the product, get that product direction achieved. And now we're really um, looking to get that product market fit. We are also adding some really fabulous features into the app that will allow mothers to refine and filter their friendship choices so they can find the women they're looking for. We are so lucky that we, to help women throughout the COVID process, we added experts ranging from um, obstetricians to pediatricians, business coaches, et cetera, that are all live on our app to help moms. Uh, with their their needs throughout motherhood, but that worked so well that it created an official new part of the app. It really completed that supportive ecosystem for us. So we're going to be spending the next uh, 12 months or so really scaling up the experts into the app and, and making sure that everything interfaces well. And then, of course, we're just going to be, you know, spending some of that, those dollars on the marketing so we can really start acquisitioning and retaining our customers so that our user experience is just that much better and, you know, doing well, hopefully, is our next 12 month path. <laughs> yes, this is this is very exciting and very timely. So many, many of us uh, female founders, many of us are just wondering how you raised your funds. Can you give us any pointers, tips, and a little, share a little bit about that experience of finding funding and now again, the new round that you're working on? Of, of course. So we, we took a traditional path or a more traditional path when it comes to people that are trying to create scalable technology, at least. Um, and, and I've noticed there's lots of other industries that do this as well. But so we started with, with bootstrapping the company. And bootstrapping is just a very fancy way of saying that, that the founders self-funded. So we, we saved um, our own capital and we used it to build the initial um, beta version of the product, which we were able to put into the market and just get, you know, two or 3,000 users just to see if the market needed the product to understand what the product should be like. Once we did that and we had a little bit of data that was backing up that this product is needed, we did the, the market analysis. So we tried to understand the total addressable market. Was there a need for this? Was it a saturated market? We're very lucky that we are in baby technology, which is a, a robustly growing uh, market, that there really is not a lot of competition, especially in the friendship matchmaking space that we're in um, amongst motherhood. And there's you know, 2 billion mothers worldwide. So there's a lot of women that could use us. So that's really the first thing is that once you get past the bootstrapping, you have to figure out if the market is large enough for investors to be interested. And if you're in a market that's less than a couple billion, unless if it's super, super niche or you know niche investors, the funding strategy, you know, of, of going through venture capital might not be for you. Um, and I'm by no means an expert at this. So I don't want anyone to think that because I say it, it means it's the only way it's going to work. I, I'm not a venture capitalist myself. I'm not an economist or anything like that. Um, 
So then once we knew that we were, that the market was definitely set and ready for the VC interest, then we went on to raise a friends and family where a couple of our friends and family that we knew that had some extra capital and were interested in the mission of our company gave us some small funds. And then after that, we raised the pre-seed. So the pre-seed was really when we went out and we started looking for people that were not in our inner circle and we put together a pitch deck. There's some wonderful resources you can use um, for pitch decks. There's a woman on Twitter who I recently started having a relationship with who I think is wonderful for someone who's at the early stages of funding. Her name is Lolita Taub. You can find her on Twitter. Her last name is spelled T-A-U-B. But she... Um, produces a bi-weekly newsletter and some wonderful resources on how to create your first pitch deck, how to find your first angel investor. And I really find her information to be great. So I recommend if you're brand new at this, following her. And I think she's wonderful for that. So then what we did was we created a pitch deck. We, gosh, I mean, you know, you spend, we spent over a year understanding how to fundraise and every day our pitch deck is changing and every day it's updated with new stats. And then we went out and we really at that point were pitching the concept of Social Mama with a very, very, I mean, honestly, I hate to say it, but a very pathetic beta version of a product. And then what we did was to find the initial funders, we looked at family funds that were in our local area. We looked at wealthy people that were in our circle and we reached out to them. And if they weren't interested, we asked them if they knew other wealthy people. And then when we got our first angel, we asked, um, we asked him to connect us to another angel. And that's really what happened. It was really the, the first angel connects us with the second, the second to the third, the third to the fourth, and so on until we fulfilled the pre-seed round where we raised $400,000. We chose um, a safe document as our instrument. So there's lots of different instruments you can use. Some are called KISS, some are SAFE, some are DEBT. You know, it's a whole bunch of different things. So you really just need to do your research and figure out what's the best for your company. And then now that we have growth, we understand what metrics matter to the venture capitalists and matter to our product. That's what we've been focusing on for 12 to 18 months and really proofing out that we've achieved that product direction through the metrics. So now when we walk in, hopefully, to our investor meetings throughout the next 60 days or so while we raise our seed round, which will hopefully be over a million dollars, we can proof out to investors that this is the market, this is the problem, this is how we solve it, this is why we're different than the competition, and these are the metrics we've achieved, and this is how we're going to get um, our revenue really you know, sought after in the future. And that's, that's pretty much it. So hopefully we can touch base in 90 days and I'll let you know how it went the second, like the fourth time. <laughs> I'll be very excited to hear about that. Um, I'm also wondering if you can share a little bit about what you've learned about your customers. What are their needs and who are they? So, so our customers are, I, I would love to tell you that our users are a small niche group because I think any potential investor wants to hear that, you know, but, but truthfully, we don't have a very niche user segment. So there are women between the ages of 18 and 44 is our biggest demographic, but we truthfully have women from 18 to, I think, 86 right now is um, the age of one of our oldest users, if I remember correctly. But they are women um, on every stage of motherhood. Typically, 
they are thinking about conceiving pregnant or their kids are under the age of 11. That's our largest segment of users. And typically, these are women that don't have super strong support systems. So like, for example, a woman who moved to a new city, a woman whose child is going through a new medical diagnosis, a woman who is a stay-at-home mom and has three children and is homeschooling and is looking for other women like them. But really, we have an incredibly, incredibly diverse user base. And if you could see our download metrics, it really is um, a testament to how the women that come to us are purely looking for connection and support really just friendship with other women because I'm telling you, they're all walks of lives, all ages. And it makes me so happy to see women from such different walks of lives finding each other and creating meaningful connection together, but also supporting each other when they have, you know, such different political beliefs, such different religious beliefs. But really when you put together an online community, that is all women that are all there because of the path of motherhood. It is just niche enough that they feel so comfortable and so vulnerable that they're willing to share things in our platform that they're just not willing to share on something like a Facebook group or a Reddit page, or honestly, even with their physicians. A lot of our experts who are physicians, most of them tell us the reason why they love our platform and the reason why they take their time to be a resource on our platform is because they are able to understand what mothers are really talking about because they often don't get women having honest conversations with them in their private practices or in their hospital rooms. Can you explain just a little bit more about the experts and how that works? It sounds like that was something that you added recently. And um, yeah, it, it just sounds like it would be an awesome feature. Yeah, absolutely. So so when the mom signs on to the platform, she's asked a lot of attribute questions about herself. So where she lives, um, what she likes to do, what um, medical things her family has been through. And then the app shows her and recommends to her profiles of other women around her that she can message and be friends with. The other aspect of the app is that there is a global newsfeed, if that's really the right word. We call it forms, and it's based off of different categories. So, you know, family planning, girl talk. There's a COVID-19 one at the moment where women are chatting about things like homeschooling and whatnot. And, and I'm sorry, um, and the these, women are like, are there. these are like chat rooms. Is that right? Am I understanding you correctly? Kind of, yeah, a, a, a little bit. So they're like form pages that are on a large newsfeed. So, so you can see everything together or you can see just the different categories. So when women make posts, which are everything from questions to just, you know, pictures of their kids, how their day is going, they tag it to a, to a specific category. Mm-hmm. So you're able to just see just the family planning form page if you want, or you can see everything, which is a mix of, you know, girl talk, medical, mental health, you, you name it. So before this, it was just all moms and moms that were chatting together on this global newsfeed on our form page. And then we added experts. So now we have experts ranging from OBGYNs to dietitians, doulas, lactation coaches, you name it. And now these women are also on our form pages. So now when you ask questions or when you're seeking advice, not only do you have moms that are giving you their recommendations, but you have physicians and you have business coaches. So it's really amazing because now women are coming to our app and they're saying things like, my baby won't latch and I'm having pain when I try, you know, to connect the baby onto the breast. What do I do? 
you get moms giving you tips, but then you also have lactation experts and pediatricians and OBGYNs and doulas that are giving you their recommendations. And then at the end, the mom might walk away finding out possibly she has mastitis and she needs to go and call her own doctor. So it's a really incredible tool. It is not something that's in the marketplace. It's what I'm the most proud of. And it's really what's made the ecosystem 360 degrees of support because now these women are getting tips from friends, but also experts. And it's, it's truthfully working beautifully to the point where we now are adding a lot of technical features onto the app that allow moms to find experts easier, to specifically ask questions only to experts, to eventually be able to see expert profiles so that you can book consultations with these experts off of the app if you need more one-on-one advice and not general advice. So it's, um, it's really exciting. And to be honest, I think it's crazy that this doesn't already exist in the marketplace. I'm thrilled that it doesn't, so I can be the one to create it. But um, how was this not already around, Carol? Yeah. So in this last, oh, about half a minute that we have, please tell our listeners how they might find you um, if they're a mom and or if they are an expert. Absolutely. So we are available, our app for download on the App Store or on Google Play. You also can find us and you're able to apply to be an expert at our website, www.socialmama, that's social, M-A-M-A dot U-S. So www.socialmama.us. And we have an Instagram page. I love connecting with women there. So feel free to message us. And if you want to talk specifically to me, Amanda, just mention the message and our team will get it to me. Fantastic. I really appreciate you sharing your story on Heartstock, Amanda. And um, I'm very excited for you. I'm very excited for the women out there who really Thank need you. this also. Thank you so much, Carol. I appreciate it. We welcome and thank you for helping share our story about empowering women through connection. Thank you so much, Carol. Mm-hmm. This is Heartstock, and I am your host, Carol Murphy. Clark Grant is in the studio. We shall see you next week. Peace. Heartstock Radio is a production of KBMF 102.5 Butte America Radio. Hear our live programs every Friday at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time via live stream at butteamericaradio.org. As I went walking, I saw a sign.